0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Last Week in Localization, the show where we talk about the latest from the world of localization, whether that is research, events, news, or anything else that is relevant. If you are working or want to be working in this wonderful industry of ours, um, the localization industry, the language industry, the translation industry, no matter what you want to call it, it has many different names. Um, my name is Sarah Hickey, I'm your host and the VP of Research um, at NIMSI Insights, and I do the show every week with uh, a different guest. And this week, my wonderful guest is one of our uh, my latest colleagues, my newest colleagues, uh, not brand new, but fairly new to the team, uh, Nadia. So, uh, Nadia, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Hi, everyone. Uh, thank you, Sarah, for having me. And so, my name is Nadezhda. Uh and no, please don't call me Nadezhda. Uh My <laughs> name is so everyone calls me Nadia or Nadia, or whichever. Uh, um, yeah, I've been uh, with Nimzi very shortly, uh, and I, I joined the, the research team two months ago. Uh, and before before joining NIMD, uh I was uh, with PwC Czech Republic for two and a half years. Um, most of the time, I spent uh, in uh, SAP team, which stands for uh, System and Process Assurance. Um, and then I uh, kind of started to lean towards uh, SAP projects and uh, that sort of <laughs> <laughs> uh, co- those sort of consulting kind of projects. Uh, and then I, I uh, happened to join <laughs> Uh So then again, I'm a localization researcher with NIMSY and I'm also a um, student uh, at uh, the Prague University of Economics and Business. And I, uh, I focus on uh, information management and uh, cybersecurity. Yeah, and so that
0: way you bring... Um a very different uh, background, a very different uh, perspective to the NIMSI team, which is very valuable to us um, because, of course, um, we always stress as well that we are a very diverse team, not just in the sense that we're all from different uh, countries, from different cultures, different languages, but we all have different backgrounds, uh, usually somewhere rooted in the language industry on different sides of it. I don't think you have um, previously been much in touch with the language industry. I think a little bit, right? You were on the a little bit, yeah. (laughs) And um, but uh, it also doesn't matter because, um, or actually, I think it's not just does it not matter. I think it's an asset that you actually bring like a very fresh perspective. Um, You said you study business and economics, right? And you have this um, background in a very analytical side of business and uh, information security, cybersecurity. And this is also our topic today, Um, probably one of the hottest topics, Um, certainly not new, but um, still relevant and probably becoming more and more relevant with all the new regulations that are being passed all the time. And there's always more concern, um, rightfully so as well, um, about what happens to our data or um, when we publish it online or not just publish it, but just send it. Or, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm going to let you talk about that because you're the expert on this, but I was just trying to introduce the topic. Maybe I should have let you done that as well. Um, yeah, maybe just from your own point of view, give us a super brief introduction. Um, about, like what is cybersecurity or data security? What's the, what's the difference maybe between the two? Because we're always throwing them around interchangeably, but are they the same or, or not?
1: um they're not really the same thing um well it really comes from comes from the, the basics that the there is difference between data and information um and then cyber looks at a completely different thing um but they are kind of interchangeable and could they shouldn't be really really exchanged um by experts but uh, really um when we are talking about security it's like um, we can use them um, unless we don't, you know, we we do not to, uh, speak as as, as, as experts. Um, then again, uh, data is something. Um, data is a piece of information or piece of knowledge, some sort of knowledge uh, that you don't have context uh, about. So so there is something you see. You see, for example, zero one one one, and you don't know. You have no idea what it is. It could be an ID to uh, or. or idea of your company uh, chip cards it could be um date of birth and a month uh it could be a binary code whatever but you don't know without the context you have no idea what it which is it uh, so basically um that's that's data and information is uh, when you find out uh, you see um message history for example and there is uh and you, you get to see that there is there is one person asking, for example, uh, "Hey, when is this and that person? Uh, when when does the person has birthday? Have birthday?" And uh, you see the second person replying, "Hey, um, this is the day of the month. Uh, and month." And they just reply zero one one one, and then you basically know that uh, that the 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 piece you got, the zero one one one, was was date of birth. But mm-hmm. without this this um, this knowledge around you have no idea which it is so uh, that's basically the, the, the difference um, between these two and uh, also the difference that touches upon the the two um, the, the two segments of security which are, either it is data security or information security
0: right so from what I'm hearing the there's the difference of uh, of context or qualifiers like depending on what it relates to so data could be just any piece of uh, like a like well, data like a a piece of uh it's a, flow. A, a number like, like a flow or something. Of knowledge yeah, exactly, <laughs> and you just don't know what it refers to exactly. um whereas with the information security, then that there's already context, like you said it's we know this is in this uh, second example you give that it's somebody's birthday, and the first one is just a random number, and we don't know what mm-hmm. it refers to, right, so exactly okay so that that's very uh good to know and that's a, that is an important distinction as well um yeah but
1: and then there is uh, i will just i'll just add and uh say that um we usually use the term information security really and then because information is a it's, it's this umbrella term for everything for for all pieces uh, uh for all the pieces and then there is cybersecurity, which is a small chunk <laughs> uh that really uh is more about the assets Okay. Um uh, it's about protecting your um uh, mobile devices, about protecting your computer about servers, about the all these things that are easy or <laughs> 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 sort of easy <laughs> uh to get into. So your data which are in these devices, um they stay safe.
0: I see. And um yeah, right. So um, you've written an, an article um, f- f- for NIMSY um, that we have here, and that is uh, six things to ask your translation provider about data security. Um, we might come back to that a little bit more uh, later in more detail, because here we're already delving a little bit deeper, um, where we're breaking this down to the language industry, because, of course, that's where we usually work. We work in the language industry, and but, of course... Uh, cybersecurity, information security, uh, data security—all of this is is pretty much it's relevant in any industry, right? It's just uh, as soon as you're working um, online, really, right? If I'm not misunderstanding this, so maybe you can under- yeah. uh, explain a little bit more, um, like what, uh, like why is it so important, especially these days, and maybe what are the latest developments also in this field before we go go further.
1: Mm-hmm. right um okay so basically um security is important and should be important to anyone who lives or extends his or her life to the digital world which is pretty much everyone uh these days <laughs> um so either it's just an ordinary user or it's um, it's an organization it's a government organization anyone who is really working or spend some time on and share some data uh in the digital world should somehow to some extent uh, care about security about securing um the data they they provide and uh, um they have having their devices mm-hmm. um it's it's a it's a must because really what um what could happen and what is what we see that it's it very it's happening very often um is that uh either organizations or uh, users they 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 lose um huge amounts of money um or they uh lose for example um trust of uh, of vendors trust of uh, of uh as a trust of their clients uh usually the users are the ones that are losing that, that lose money really yeah. um because um that there have been cases of ransomware attacks and uh, phishing attacks, and uh, for example, last week I, I got a call from scammers um, who wanted to fix uh, my event log. It was ten minutes long, and I was laughing really hard. Yeah.
0: <laughs> they called the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, it was it was very funny. Uh, well, for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So so basically, the users should be on the lookout. And then there are organizations and um, government organizations that have so much to lose and
0: Mm -hmm.
1: it could have really deep consequences for them.
0: Yeah. So what are some of the the common uh, pitfalls then? Like why do people or businesses, maybe what, what kind of traps do they fall into easily? And then maybe afterwards we talk about what things they can do to maybe implement some easier fixes as well to avoid those um, pitfalls. So maybe let's talk about what are like some of the common errors, like what do we, like how, how do they get you basically in the scammers? <laughs>
1: um, well, that's, that's one thing. Um, well, if it's organization, then, uh, well, the first, well, <laughs> first line of defense is people. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have your employees and they are, they're the most vulnerable piece in the whole puzzle of, uh, of an organization so um it's easy to to actually get into organization and it's usually through people um it's very rarely it is it is just you it is a person or an attacker or, or a group attacking um a system that doesn't really work that way so it's really um there are people who are uh, who do social engineering for example you know um then uh, there is someone standing in front of a building and handing out um flight drives and some, some, someone from the organization thinks, hey, I was lucky today, I got a flash drive and, and inserts the flash drive in the computer and then you have it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Then uh, usually it's phishing attacks and spare, spare phishing emails. Um, they're, they're basically the most common um, threats. Right. Okay.
0: Space. Yeah, I found that fascinating. And it makes so much sense as well, because this is something you wrote in your article as well, that basically, you can build the most uh, impenetrable fortress. But then there's still always that uh, human factor that uh, humans are the most vulnerable piece, because of course, we're you know there's no shield around us you can't like you just have to you can train people and trust people and have them sign stuff but ultimately people make uh, mistakes not not even do it on purpose but um i might might be un, unaware as well so would you say that maybe one of the best ways to protect yourself is um also like very in-depth or regular uh training um internally
1: Definitely, it's education, it's always education. <laughs> uh, with all the cyber attacks and all the, the, the threats and vulnerabilities that we are facing and how vulnerable we are, uh, it is really about the education, about training. So mm-hmm. uh, I know that um, in my in, in PwC, we got a lot of training, and we were forced to, like we had to do, we had to pass all sorts of trainings. Um, and to actually to to know um, what we are facing and some of the trainings were really harsh <laughs> and really funny uh, in the same time because we were uh, sometimes we were in the uh, in the position of an attacker mm-hmm. and we were, try- we were the ones who were trying to figure out uh, how to pass through through the people through the defenses to get to certain information mm-hmm. so uh, that was funny and that actually was inspiring
0: <laughs> and were you successful when you were in that team <laughs>
1: Um yeah,
0: I mean <laughs> like did you figure out a, a a way to get through
1: after some some time? <laughs> yeah. It, it took me a while definitely <laughs> Interesting. Okay, cool.
0: I mean that's that's very good training I'd say to get into the mindset of um how people think. I mean that might not be doable at every company, but I like that approach. Um so Um, so are there any other, uh, like classic pitfalls or what do you think is like the main thing people should look out? Like when I say people, I actually mean companies, I should say businesses, (laughs) what businesses, enterprises, government organizations, what do they need to look out for the most? Like what is like top of the, the list?
1: Um, well, the top of the list would be to, um, provide trainings for their employees. That's the first thing to do and then have, uh um have a concise um really concise and structured um policy information policy that that touches upon cybersecurity and data security Mm -hmm. um so there is actually something you can you can there is a benchmark for you there is something is already written on the paper and for you to write such a policy you have to know the processes uh in your in the organization so uh you actually break down your processes first uh, you go through them, you see the vulnerabilities, you fix them, then you put it into into the the on the paper um, and you have it in front of you and you know already what you're working with, and you know which direction to to go, like, hey, this is something that we want to fix within one year within two years uh, is it long term goal is it short term goal um so first thing is um, is basic for example, well, I would say that' it's, it's basic education mm-hmm. um um basic training for the employees and then it would be it would be the policy and uh after that you can also um customize and somehow personalize the trainings for certain personnel
0: mm-hmm. and so basically what you were saying as well i think was uh that there is no real uh one size fits all right it depends always mm, right. on the <laughs> yeah on the organization <laughs> on their structure what they're doing what they're trying to achieve right the different assets they want to protect Um, when we look at the language industry specifically because of course this applies to everything but like I said the you know we are focused on the language industry and um while there's still I assume um like you still have to take it case by case probably from business to business um you did write out in your article uh, a few things that everyone should look out for if they're working in the language industry basically so can you talk us through that uh, a little bit um we have like a little a lovely little overview here as well um this can be accessed for free on the nimzi website by the way under research uh, all research on the nimzi website um yeah so talk me through this a little bit um and why these steps uh, matter like why is this so important uh, maybe sum up a little bit what you wrote about here
1: oh right um like you said, um, I was I was really speaking about general um, general steps a company should do. Uh, but really, it's every company is different and they have different um, assets that they are using, and, uh, and therefore it must be everything must be customized. Everything must be personalized too mm-hmm. um, for a certain for a specific company. Um, but basically, when it comes to language industry. Um, <laughs> um this is one of the funny thing was that when i was reading um articles by Nimsy, i came across um i came across this article on uh, on on the industry itself and it said that um the industry um grew a lot mm-hmm. during, the the, during the pandemic. during the pandemic the the growth of the industry was was immense and it was you know, like it was amazing, and we grew from this to that. And I was, um, and I was uh, when I was looking at the paragraph, I was really, um, I, I was really mesmerized because what I was seeing was like, hey, um, uh, the, the volume of data within the industry grew as well, like, yeah, um, and with all the cyber, cyber security, or in all, all those, with all those cyber attacks that, um. Uh, people are facing right now, organizations are, organizations are facing right now, even, even hospitals are facing right now. Uh, it means that, um, you know, the volume of cyber attacks grew, the volume of data within the industry mm-hmm. grew. So um, so these two are bound to collide. Um, and that is why I, uh, I actually said to myself that, hey, this, is, this article would be relevant for the language industry as well. Yes, absolutely. And that's an excellent point
0: because we always say as well that um, the more content there is, the more need for language services there is. And of course, all of that is, is data as well. And the data just keeps growing. We actually also have even like a specific uh, branch of the industry now that is data for AI services. But in the end, everything is data, of course. So um, w- then let's break it down a little bit more concretely, a bit more practical, because we talked about this in the broader term so far. Mm-hmm. But um, what are some of the concrete steps like an LSP should like take, for example, what you um, wrote about here? I know people can read about it, but let's talk about it as well and just discuss it a little bit.
1: All right. Um, so the first thing is that um, when there is a buyer, the buyer um, has certain, um, I don't know, certain data, certain piece of information that they want to translate um, and sends the sends the document to an LSP and the LSP uh, Translates uh, the document and sends it back. Um, and this is a very simplified example, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but it's pretty much that. Uh, so the first thing would be to look at uh, how the this, this uh, how this document is uh, handled with.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah, like what um, can already go wrong there. You know <laughs> exactly
1: like when you are sending it how are you sending the email what what is done uh, how sorry how when you are sending it how is the document handled how do you send it you send it via email there is is there um is there an integration already with your some of your systems um what happens to the document when it sits with the LSP mm-hmm. um, what tools do they use um is there is there any chance that they use certain online tools um why do they do it? Are these tools free? Why? <laughs> yeah. And so on. And then uh, when when the LSP sends back sends the document back, um, OK, how they send it back. Uh, and then there is the last step, and that is um, you have the translated document. What happens to the original that you sent to the LSP mm-hmm. in the beginning?
0: So that's a lot of things uh, all at once now already. Um, I I, like, I want to pick up on a few of those. So the first one I, I really liked is when you said, are those tools free and why? <laughs> so this is a very good question to ask like because we're all like, oh, this is free. That's great. But we don't tend to ask, at least maybe not as individuals, maybe businesses do it more. We don't tend to ask, why is it free? And what is behind this this why? And why is it free? Like, uh, <laughs> elaborate a bit more on that.
1: Uh, right. Um I may be wrong, but <laughs> I don't think so. Um, usually, these tools that we find online and they are free—they um, are free for a reason, and it is not because someone spent tens of thousands, sorry, uh, tens tens of I don't know, I mean, like fifty forty hours uh, working on a tool for you to, to have it. No one is. That no one's that heart. generous, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, so there is obviously something behind it and uh if for example um i used to use um pdf tools online a lot Mm free pdf tools for you know when i wanted to merge two pdfs or something Uh, and then i figured and then i realized (laughs) that i'm actually giving up those pdfs i'm giving up those files and i don't know where they will end up in the end uh and there is a there is a chance that or (laughs) <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's a rule of thumb uh, that I wrote about, and it is uh, that if, if uh, a tool is free, then it is the data you are paying with. Mm-hmm. And it, most probably, it really, really applies to all uh, free online tools that you'll find. And um, when I was doing a research for this article, I found, um, I found a, a report, that, uh, or an article that said that uh, there was this LSP that used um, online MT, Mhm. Um when they were translating for um for for an oil company I think and uh, yeah they delivered the product uh it was it was translated it was delivered to the company and now you can find both the original and the translation online so mm. there you go
0: <laughs> not too good <laughs> definitely not a great way to keep your clients as well. Uh yeah so obviously that is that is a great example of how something maybe so originally innocent and simple um just would totally ruin your reputation lose your business um or at least that client um and yeah something that can be easily avoided as well and i also love your example with the pre uh, free pdf converter because i think too many of us um, have done that in the past as well and yeah um it's such a it's an excellent point because we live in a world as well where we think oh some of this stuff is for free or it's very cheap or, you know, and usually there is a cost somewhere because like you said, who's going to just develop a tool? And of course you can um, argue that, yeah, they can sell ads on their website and that's how they make their money. But at the same time, yeah, usually it is the data that you're paying with because data is one of the most valuable um, things we we have these days, our own personal data. And I used to sometimes think, okay, well, I mean, for me as an individual, I don't have that much to hide. At the same time, um, one of my friends used to always say as well, yeah, well, you might not have much to hide, but when it gets dark and you're sitting in your sitting room in the evening or you're in your bedroom, you still draw the curtains, you know, because Mm -hmm. you don't want people looking in. And so I thought that was a very good example for me anyway of this uh, privacy issue like even if you have nothing to hide you still don't want everyone to see everything (laughs) you know so um (laughs) or to share everything with everyone i mean yeah maybe some on social media do but you know that's a different story (laughs) again (laughs) sorry that's probably a stupid (laughs) comment but you know um yeah so i think that's an excellent example And um, I like what you said as well about, well, explain to me again, maybe that part about, you know, you said you already like, how is the file being transmitted? Is it sent by email? Is it through like a joint system that's already integrated? So if it is sent by email, um, like what can go wrong there? Like, because I think we all send a lot of stuff by email to different places. So what are something that people should be aware of or ask about? Because probably most of us, most of us don't, you know, so what can go Mm -hmm. wrong there?
1: um well someone can actually there is a there is a there are certain types of attacks that are already named <laughs> mm-hmm. uh for example one of them is a man in the middle attack and well it, it doesn't happen very often right or it shouldn't uh now mm-hmm. but uh anyway uh it can happen with the emails as well something similar can happen with the emails and that is um someone can Someone can get to your emails, even though you're sending them, and you're, there is one recipient, and you know who the person is. Someone mm-hmm. can simply stand in the middle and um, and get to your emails, whether you like it or not. <laughs> so, and you will not know about it un- unless you don't use um, digital digital certificates or digital signatures, for example, because mm-hmm. these two these two are, um, I would say tools, but um, yeah, well, let's say there tools tools that help you to um, help you to to know that um, your email was uh, um, wasn't wasn't changed. There wasn't there was no alteration mm-hmm. in the email, and uh, uh, you can actually rely on the data that you are looking at, and you can you know that um, no one didn't tamper with with uh, with what you're seeing. But then again, there could be someone who already got. Um, got into your conversation and is listening on your conversation with someone
0: else right and how would you how would you prevent something like that does it just um is there is there a way to prevent that for example or is it just for the um digital signatures that you mentioned is there are there other ways for like your everyday emails uh, as a business maybe
1: um maybe don't use really gmail (laughs) 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 um yeah, I would say the best way to avoid it it would you know simply be to use different sort different uh, communication channels. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like in- the in- emails be- are not really that secure, so mm-hmm. um, different communication channels would definitely be preferable.
0: Yeah, so for example, if someone had like an integrated system already with their vendor, is that mm-hmm. more
1: secure? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would say so.
0: <laughs> okay, that's good to know. And then in your article as well, you were writing about. You know, the next chain, <laughs> the next piece in the chain as well. So, of course, you have uh, the original client that's sending it to... Like, let's say that's the LSP in this case, sending it to the vendor and it comes back. But then the LSPs of course, also wait, uh, work with their own vendors. So is that something then... You Here you're saying this is something that LSP should ask about as well, right? So, like, because the chain continues and your document will be, be sent mm-hmm. on. So that is another... Um, area that many maybe might not think of because okay now i have this let's say for file transmission i have an integrated system um, Mm -hmm. between me and um, my own um, clients and my vendors uh, but what about on their end um so what can be done there to to help that situation Uh, first of all maybe what can go wrong there probably the same thing but just in case i missed something uh well
1: yeah it's pretty much about you relying on your vendor but you're but you don't know what the what what scope of, uh, what scope of services your vendor is uh, is outsourcing. So mm-hmm. uh, you have no idea about that because you don't really see into your vendor's business. Um, and uh, and then you know the best thing you could do is actually ask what what happens with my data when I when I send you the document to translate. Um, what happens with it? Mm-hmm. Um, is there anyone any third party that uh, comes into uh, comes into light and uh, and shares shares the shares the work with you um, because really there could be um, maybe your vendor really has these secure secure uh, systems and secure services but then the third side could maybe the one that uh, doesn't really rely on and doesn't rely on security and um, it's really not. Uh, not as important for them Mm -hmm.
0: yeah and I think that's a that's a very good point and probably something that's often um, overlooked and I think um, I I don't know what you say that um, it's already good to even just bring up the topic to ask the question that that's already a good step rather than I don't know if everyone asks about that you know usually
1: yeah I I was again when I was I was researching for this article. I didn't find any article that was uh, that was touching upon this. So I was like, hey, maybe this is a good point to to actually talk about this because it's like with all, um, especially today, we have a lot of difficult conversations mm-hmm. and <laughs> with different sort, different types of people, and <laughs> even within even in our families. Uh, and it's always good to speak about. Topics and it's always good to to actually talk about things that you know that you cannot really solve um, because obviously as you're a buyer you are a buyer and then there is LSP and LSP's vendor and you cannot really get into the relationship relationship of these two but mm-hmm. then again it's really good to ask about it because then you give the signal to the LSP to actually care. Yeah, I think so too
0: because maybe not everyone has an answer to that as well i don't know maybe these days people do but i feel like maybe that's not the case you know maybe not everyone has an answer automatically and that can already tell you a lot then i'd say (laughs) so we actually got a question here from nika um hi nika uh hello sarah and nadia what do you think about um proton mail we used it in our course on vendor slash challenge management with um Alana, uh, Alaina uh, brand um at miss so um I don't even
1: know proton Mail I have to admit um <laughs> do you know it Nadia yeah i do I do. i have friends of mine and uh well friends of mine who are really into cyber and uh they live uh they they live um, off by uh, cyber news <laughs> <laughs> Um, they uh, all of them they have proton mails, so okay. maybe it, it's a, that's a good sign for me that's a good reference
0: <laughs> yeah I was gonna say that's a, that's a very good stamp of approval if all the real <laughs> right. hardcore cyber security nerds use it then uh, that's that's a very good sign I would say <laughs>
1: yeah and those are people who refuse to work on projects with me because I didn't use Signal until I installed Signal I wasn't part of their group so
0: Wow. Okay. Um, on that question, I'm gonna just out myself as also someone who doesn't know Signal. Um,
1: it's a messaging app.
0: Okay. Cool. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. You're welcome, Nika. If anyone else has any questions, um, put them in the chat. <clears throat> we'll answer all of them uh, live here, um, or otherwise you can post them in the um, under the live stream afterwards as well. But of course, now is your chance to actually get uh, the real life. Uh, answers from Nadia. So take the opportunity uh, to talk to a real cybersecurity nerd. I mean, that would love. <laughs> so, okay. Anyway, though, um, <laughs> I'm just missing. Sorry. I'm in a good mood today for Monday. So you have to excuse me. <laughs> um, right. And then um, you bring up the topic of NDAs. Um, right. You know, ask, is the LSP willing to sign NDAs? Um, I think most of us know what an NDA is, but on the off chance that people don't, uh, give a brief (laughs) introduction of what an NDA is, what it is good for, why people should consider it, and then I'll ask some questions about that.
1: Right. Uh, So NDA stands for Non-Disclosure Agreement, and (laughs) um, it's really there uh, for the businesses to uh, protect themselves. so after the project is over and there is someone who is working on the project and it's not within, it's not with the company, um, then this person uh, is bound by the NDA to not to disclose any information that this person found out during uh, during the project. Mm-hmm. So it actually is there for, um, for the buyer of any services and in this case, um, language services, uh, to not to have their data disclosed. Uh, and it protects the, it, it's a formal protection. So mm. it protects the company uh, from this perspective. And it's a
0: basically, it's legally binding, right? So if you do break it, you can be uh, sued and there's there's like serious consequences, right? If you break right. an NDA. Whereas, you know, it basically it goes beyond just the, uh, yeah, we got our data cover, data security covered and, you know, here's our <laughs> um, programs and whatever, but then to really put it down on paper because sometimes it seems like maybe, okay, yeah, I'll sign the NDA or you know everyone signs the NDAs but there are a bit they do take it a step further because then you are in your right to have um you, you can take legal action and also for on the off chance right that there is um a data uh, uh, leak of any sort mm-hmm. then that business is really responsible as well right and you can hold them accountable properly is, is that correct like for
1: um, well, yes. Well, first you investigate uh, where the data mm-hmm. came from, and then if uh, if all uh, if all points to uh, this vendor or a vendor who, sa- who signed NDA, then yeah, legal actions will definitely be perceived, Well, the company will proceed with legal actions, mm-hmm. most probably. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, and you write in your article so not to be shy to ask uh, an LSP or um, to sign an NDA, right? Um, Is that because you bring up there that maybe some people might be afraid that this can ruin the relationship, that you think that people don't, you know, they don't trust, that you don't trust them, but...
1: um... I I was actually looking at this from the perspective that um, usually there are some vendors or actually there are some companies that have really good relationship with their vendors and uh, uh, it may feel like um, like... Signing in an any NDA is just too much because you can obviously rely on the relationship and on the mm-hmm. um, on the friendly environment that is there between these two uh, between these two. And uh, in the end, uh, the NDA could some of the companies may feel like the NDA could destroy um, the, this good relationship they already have because um, because they are asking for a, this legal seal of approval. Mostly. Yeah, and but it, but um, I don't think. I don't think signing an NDA should be a difficult, should be a difficulty um, in a relationship and especially in a business, re- like in a business relationship, because obviously each side wants to be protected.
0: Yeah, exactly. I I would completely agree. Um, You know, there's also, there's that difference between, you know, business and friendship or family or whatever, even if you can have the greatest relationship, but when it comes to business, things are just a little bit different or they can get yeah. very, Ugly potentially, <laughs> you might mm-hmm. not see that yet. <laughs> so I think an NDA, um, yeah, like you said, it shouldn't be a big deal to ask someone to sign the NDA. It just solidifies what you're already um, doing anyway, right? So, mm-hmm. um, okay. So I think we talked to through most of your tips, but um, I actually have a, a question just from me that I, something I'm curious about. So. You know, uh, the GDPR um, from the EU was, when it came out, it's not that old at this stage, a few Uh years. um, It was kind of hyped as like this really big deal and that it made things so much safer. But in your experience, from your point of view, has it really made things a lot safer or are we just getting a lot more, you know, pop-ups about like information like oh yeah we're using your data or something or like is it really working in your opinion yes (laughs) okay great i mean that's good news (laughs) i'm glad to hear it just like tell me why like what is
1: i'm genuinely curious
0: because i don't know enough about it myself uh, Uh, other than being a user of some sort myself of course
1: um right uh i was actually (laughs) i did a training uh training ship um, and uh, at the European Parliament, and uh, I asked about GDPR. Um, I asked a couple of questions to my MEP, uh, member of European Parliament, uh, and he was so happy to <laughs> he was so happy to explain to me everything about GDPR from the policy perspective. But uh, it was quite some time ago, so I don't remember much. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I know that um, GDPR does a lot for us here in Europe. Mm -hmm. And uh, from what I know so far, uh, I know that uh, some U.S. uh, citizens are or should be and are, (laughs) some are jealous of GDPR. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, for example, what we can do is that uh, uh, we know that there there are companies that that collect data about us. Mm -hmm. And what we can do is we can actually... (laughs) uh we can we can ask an email we can send an email we can ask a question and they can provide us uh they they have to actually They are obliged to provide us uh with uh, with information on what they have on us mm-hmm. and we can ask them to delete this information and they have to do it
0: And you can also, like, decline that your data is being uh, gathered, right? And the point is often, like, um, yeah, allow to be tracked, allow not to be tracked, or, or, like, choose not to be tracked. So is that Mm -hmm. something that's also, is that due to the
1: GDPR as well? Um, You mean the, the new iPhone (laughs) Think.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, or like uh, sometimes on different websites as well, you can like um, click like different options of how much data, right. <laughs> how deep you want to go with the data being collected or things to be shown on your screen and stuff like that. So is that related to the
1: GDPR as well? Uh, I think so, but I'm not sure. But I think it is related to GDPR to some extent, um, but I don't really know where are the lines.
0: Okay, I see. So it does make things more secure for us, or does it just give us more control over our own data, basically?
1: Uh, yes, the end users have more control over their data, and the companies, uh, they uh, now have to anonymize all, like, oh, when there is, there are, um, in different situations, there are different situations, they use their data, they, these data, they collect it in, and um, based on the situations that are in, On the results they want to get, uh, they have to anonymize the data they have. Uh, They gather it, Mm -hmm. so. So uh, that's why there were there were difficulties with it because the companies had to be compliant uh, with the GDPR. Everything. I think it was two years, Mm -hmm. so they had a lot of their plate on their plate, and (laughs) (laughs) uh, (laughs) they had to anonymize everything and prepare their systems to be compliant with this policy.
0: Wow. Okay. And so then, essentially, it doesn't stop companies from collecting data, but they anonymize it, and also you have the option as a user to ask them questions about it, ask them to delete it, mm-hmm. which, of course, mm-hmm. would mean a lot of work in the end for a user if you do this for everything. But if you have a specific issue, then you might do that. Uh, but it doesn't stop them from da- from collecting data.
1: No, no, no. I mean, it stops them from collecting certain data, but usually they... Um, like what all, data all do, they you, do you know
0: or, or i said to not go into deeply sorry okay. no, no problem i mean i totally put I know you on that the there spot there are some with
1: limitations this. but um okay. i'm not really sure about it all no. this whole thing <laughs>
0: yeah you like this is a very wide field and it's a very uh, important area as well yes, um of course I, I think these days there is more awareness around um you know, that we have to be careful with what we do online, our digital footprint and the files we send, like you said, the tools we use. But there, I feel like there's still a lot of uh, gaps in knowledge and that goes for individuals as much as for companies. And mm-hmm. like, I really liked your point as well with the, that the most vulnerable part are the humans in any company. Which makes complete sense. Uh, it's not that big of a shock or a surprise, but it's a very good reminder, I think. <laughs> because we often, I think, when we think of data security and cybersecurity, we always just think about like the, the system, you know, the the technology, mm-hmm. all the stuff that it, that it does, yep. you know, but then you easier forget, I think maybe about the human component that no matter how <laughs> good your system is, you still have humans that are um, easier to penetrate, I guess, in that sense
1: yeah exactly exactly uh it's usually this day uh, they and us relationship
0: yes Exactly.
1: And the systems are wrong. They are wrong. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's all just evil machines. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Trained by good
0: people. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so good. Um, I feel like I learned a lot, honestly. So thank you so much, Nadia, um, for joining me today. Um, is there anything that we haven't covered yet that you feel like would be very important to mention as part of this conversation? Uh,
1: that. Uh, when it comes to cyber article? security
0: data oh. security <laughs> <laughs> sorry say that again
1: uh, maybe you forgot to mention that there is a there is a new article coming oh, oh yeah
0: that's a very good <laughs> note um, exactly so this article that is already out is just Part 1. This one is freely available on the NIMSI website, so anyone who wants to learn a little bit more about the things they should ask about, um, especially in the language industry, when it comes to data security. Um, take a look at Nadia's very brief summary here with this lovely overview as well that you can maybe print out as a reminder, stick it at your desk <laughs> or something if you want to. Um And then, yeah, Nadia is working on a more in-depth piece that drills a a lot deeper into this topic. So this is like your little uh, go-to source, an easy reminder, uh, an introduction to the topic, and then the next one will get into the real, into the real stuff. Yeah, (laughs) I'm gonna say stuff (laughs) to be nice. So, okay. Great. Uh, that was that was fantastic. Uh, thank you so much um, for joining me, for being uh, brave, you know. <laughs> uh, you okay. said you're fairly new at NIMSI and I already dragged you onto my live show. So uh, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And um, like I'm really glad uh, to have you on the team. You bring such a different perspective uh, for all of us. So that's wonderful. And for anyone out there listening and watching, uh, if you have more questions about this, reach out to NIMSI, reach out to Nadia and... You can have an office hour with her or send her an email and, you know, um, yeah, we're here to help. Um, Otherwise, uh, I will see you again next week where I will have a very, very, very special external guest. I'm not going to say who it is yet because I'm waiting on the final confirmation, but I'm already super (laughs) excited. So it's going to be great. And yeah, thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next week.
1: Thank you again. Bye.